Hey, Living Waters. I'm Ryan. Thanks for joining us. Whenever you're watching this, we're glad that you're here with us today. We're going to continue our series on the miracles of Jesus, and we are in John chapter 6. Last week, we looked at John chapter 5, the healing at the pool of Bethesda. There's a man that was there for 38 years. Jesus encountered him in that place and, and asked him, do you want to be healed? And the guy said, can't be healed. Here's all the reasons why Jesus healed him. And then that began a confrontation with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, who then um, looked to begin to persecute and even look for opportunities to kill Jesus. And so we pick up the story of the miracles of Jesus in as we've been studying John and John chapter, John chapter 6 specifically today. Um, we know that in John 20, as he wrote this gospel, he says that the reason I'm writing these miracles and tracking these miracles of Jesus is so that people will believe, and believing in Jesus would have eternal life. And so that's really one of the main hearts of why we're studying the miracles of Jesus, is that people would have encounters with the Holy Spirit through this book and through this gospel and believe in Jesus and be set free, be made new, that we are turning from our old and the, and, and turning to the new and being set free in Jesus. The other reason that we're studying the miracles of Jesus is so that we would be reminded as people that Jesus is alive in us. If we've given our life to him, we've confessed and, and, and invited him to come and be alive in us, and the spirit of the living God is in us, indwelling us, that we are to be people of transformative miracles. So Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and so he's moving right now through you and through me. And as we are looking in this time of the coronavirus and the shutdown and all of the different stuff that we are facing, Kate and I are praying and, and we're believing and we're seeing, people's hearts are open to Jesus like, like never before. And this, this harvest is plentiful. As Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, but we are the workers. We're the ones that are called to walk out a miraculous lifestyle, not that we can do parlor tricks, but that we can demonstrate the transformative reality of the kingdom of Jesus, and that we are able to say in this season and time when so much is going on, people's hearts are open to God, and we want to be able to walk out a lifestyle in this the same way that Jesus did. And as John said, I wrote all these miracles down so that people would believe and have eternal life. That's why we live and want to have a miraculous life and a transformative life in Jesus, is so that people will come to know Him. And so that's why we're looking at this, is it? People would believe, and that as believers, that we would also live with that lifestyle of, of ex- expectation of the miraculous. And so let's pick it up in John chapter 6 today. It says, sometime after this, so referring to the events that happened in John 5, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and, and that is the Sea of Tiberias. So it's been, actually been about six months, maybe even a year, uh, that it has been since that last story. And so the disciples have been sent out. They have did signs and wonders. They came back. They've hung out with Jesus. They've seen and encountered all this stuff. And Jesus' fame is growing. His popularity is growing. And so people are coming from all over the place to follow him. And this large crowd has, has found out where Jesus is. And he's far away from any towns or anything. And they're following him. In verse 2, a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with the disciples And the Jewish Passover festival was near. So when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, one of the disciples, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, this is one of the stories, one of the miracles of Jesus that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. And so we have an opportunity to cross-reference and look at some of the different stories. But this is mentioned in there, is this conversation that he has with Philip. Where shall we buy the bread for these people to eat? He asks Philip. And and then it says, he asked him this only to test him, not to test him into temptation, but to actually test his faith and to refine his faith. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. And, uh, and, and then it says, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages. 
to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. This is the second story, consecutive story in a row, where you have someone explaining to Jesus why a miracle can't take place. The, the man, 38 years, the pool of Bethesda, I can't make it to the water in time. The water gets stirred. There's healing in the water. I can't make it there in time. No one's here to help me. He has all these reasons why healing can't take place. And then we have Philip. His faith is being challenged by Jesus, and he's telling Jesus why it's impossible to feed all these people, which it is. In the physical and the natural, it's completely impossible. But he has these reasons. The town is too far. The money is its too much money. We don't have enough money. And so you have these moments of you're seeing these these stories where John is picking out these moments where, where in our human understanding, there's people saying to Jesus, this can't happen, this can't happen, and this can't happen. And that, that strikes me uh, in my heart because I think that if I'm honest, there's times even in my prayer life where I'm spending time praying in my communication, my conversation with the Lord, where I'm, I'm explaining to him why things won't take place. This isn't going to happen. Don't you understand? The circumstance doesn't line up. This is impossible. There's too much of this. There's not enough of this. And I want to be challenged by this. I want us and you to be challenged by this, is that we are not wasting our time in communication with the Lord, repeating a narrative of doubt. And that we would be saying, you can't, you can't do this, you can't do this. But that we would understand that while having that doubt and that, that I wonder, God, if you can do this, while that's very real, he doesn't need to be told by us what he can and what he cannot do. That's not for us to spend our time communicating with him, limiting him in that way. And so the challenge is that we would just come in faith knowing that the circumstances are out of our control, that the need is beyond what we can reach, and therefore it's, it's safe for us to bring those things to him and to watch what he does. And so Philip is here. He's explaining to Jesus why this can't happen. And then another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. And he said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? How far can something so small go among so many people? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. And it says there was plenty of room. There was about 5,000 men there. That means 10,000, probably 10,000 people. Verse 11, Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same thing with the fish. So this, this amazing creative miracle of provision takes place. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And so Jesus uses this as, it, as he wraps this up. He wants to collect all that is left over. And then later on, he's actually using that as a teaching uh, moment to show them how much was left over. And that in his miracle, and in, in this miraculous lifestyle that Jesus is living, it's not just sufficient. There's actually leftovers when he's moving in these powerful miracles. And so there's three things that I want us to pull out of this today as we're looking at this thing. Uh, the first one is this. He obeyed that there was people who were walking in obedience, even though it was illogical. Uh, the second thing is that they brought what they had even though uh, it wasn't enough. And the third thing is this, Jesus wasted nothing of this miracle. So they obeyed even though it's illogical. As I said, this, this, God, this story is um, told in all four of, this, of the Gospels. And in Mark, it says that Jesus actually instructs the disciples. And they say, how, how are we going to feed all these people? He instructs them. He says, go and find out what we do have. And so when Andrew comes back in... Um, in verse 8, it says, Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. That's actually been an act of obedience because Jesus had asked them to go out among the people and find out what they had. Now, this is illogical to be at, like, 
there's 10,000 people. Why don't you go out and, and find out what we have? They're, they're, they're walking away going, Jesus, there's no way we're going to find enough food in this crowd for 10,000 people. Yet Andrew chooses to walk out that, that illogical obedience. And when he stepped out of that illogical, in that place of illogical obedience, he actually brought himself to the threshold of being able to participate and witness a powerful miracle of Jesus. So that's the first thing that I want you to see is that they obeyed even though it was illogical. The second thing is this, is they brought what they had even though they knew that it wasn't enough. He came back, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? They're looking at the need and they're, instead of looking to Jesus. And they're saying, the need is too much, but here's, here's a little bit. How far will it go? And I honestly, I love that question because I think a lot of us are looking at the needs that are around us right now. And you're feeling stirred to do things and to step out into things. But you're looking at your life and saying, what difference does my life make among so much need? What difference does my voice make among so much noise? What difference does my whatever it might be need, make among so much. But what can happen is that we begin to live based on the need that we're seeing and the magnitude of the need that is around us instead of the magnitude of the God who is alive in us. And what he wants to do is he wants to say, yeah, I see that there's so much need, but what do you have? What do you have? And and even though we're saying, we're dismissing it, it's too much. I mean, it's too little. There's too much need. He takes it. And in this story, he blesses it and he breaks it and he multiplies it until there's leftovers. So he takes what is tiny and he multiplies it. And so this second thing that I love out of this passage is that they brought what they had, even though they knew that it wasn't enough. And the third thing is that Jesus wasted nothing of this miracle. He said, go around, gather all the pieces that are left over, and let nothing be wasted. I love his heart in this. And we know that he uses this as a teaching point later on when he's walking with his disciples, but just him, his heart saying, let nothing be wasted. The miracles that he's performing are to reach their end and and, and to fulfill the destination and to fulfill the reality of saying, I want people to know of the signs and wonders that I'm doing so that they would believe in me and they would have eternal life. I don't want to waste anything in this journey and in this opportunity. And so Jesus is making the most of each moment. Jesus is making the most of each miracle. And so this is a powerful thing, a powerful reality that we see in Jesus. And I want us to, to look at this and say, okay, but how can we apply this to our life? What is the challenge that exists in this story for you and for me today? We see Jesus, this profound miracle that our hearts would just be stirred at, in awe and wonder of who Jesus is and that we wouldn't be, become numb to these incredible stories. But I want us to apply it to our life and here's how I want, I want us to apply it is that we would just consider that everything that we do, that God is asking us to do, it matters. Even if he's saying to you to do something and it seems illogical and you're going, so you want me to in a crowd of 10,000, you want me to go and find out how much food there is, and is but I'm going to just walk in obedience to you. It makes no sense to me logically, but Jesus, you're asking me to do it, and I'm going to do it. For the disciples, illogical obedience brought them to the threshold of powerful miracles. In your life and in my life, illogical obedience to, the, to his word and to the things that he's asking us and speaking to our hearts to do is going to bring us to the threshold, to the possibility, to that place where faith can take root and miracles can begin to take place. So walk in illogical obedience when you feel that step, that urgency, that opportunity to step forward. Don't look in and dismiss that. Don't say logic says no. Circumstances, no way. That's not going to happen. Don't catch yourself explaining to Jesus why a miracle can't take place. Illogical obedience brings you to the threshold of miracles. Uh, The second thing is just bring what you have. That when you, everything that you have, when you bring whatever it is, even if it's tiny, even if it's fish and loaves, even if it's just a thought, a heart, an idea, a prayer, 
It, it is so powerful when it is brought to Jesus. It's not what you bring, it's who you bring it to. What difference could this possibly make among so much need? Well, you're right, that in your hands, it, it, apart from Christ, we, have, we can't do anything. And so you, your little can't make any impact apart from Christ. But when you bring it to him, it's not only enough, it's not only sufficient, there's actually going to be leftovers in your story. There's going to be more than enough because you're willing to bring what is small. Everything you have, everything you bring matters when you bring it to Jesus. And then the thing I want you to hear as, as well as this is that Jesus uses everything, that nothing is wasted. When he does a miracle, when he shows up in our life, when he transforms you, when he does something, whether it's obviously in our hearts, it's in our families, it's in our marriages, it's around us, in our circumstances, in the details of physical healing, whatever it is, he wants to use every single bit of that for his glory and for, for people to come to know him. And the same thing is true of your story. He's performed a miracle in your life. He wants to use all of your story. He wants to use all of your past, all of your present, all of your future to testify of his miraculous grace. He is wasting nothing. When your story is given to him, he uses all of it. And you can look at parts of it and go, this is a waste. This is too much. This is superfluous. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And he's saying, no, everything of you, everything of your story, everything of who you are, when I get my hands on it, I use it. I waste nothing. And that's Jesus's heart for us and for our life. The redemption story is a sign. Our redemption story, the, the miracle of, of our relationship with Jesus is a sign and a wonder to those around us. You are a miracle. But not only are you a miracle, not only is the hope that you carry in this season, the joy that you carry in this season, the way that you use your voice and the things that you release, not only are those miracles, Jesus wants to do actual tangible, uh, real miracles through you as well. Not only in those real tangible places of hope and joy and in your emotions and your mind, but he wants to show up for people as we step forward in this time where people's hearts are so open to Jesus, as we step forward to make him known, I want to promise you on his word and guarantee to you on his word that as you step forward to make him known in people's lives, that he's gonna show up for you and with you and miraculously around you. You're gonna see signs and wonders and people are gonna be in awe of what Jesus does. Signs and wonders that point people to Jesus. That's the powerful reality that we get to walk in. Jesus takes your small obedience, even if it's illogical, and he uses it for, your, for his glory. Jesus takes the small, inconsequential things that we bring to him and he multiplies them and uses those for his glory and for his story. And he uses all of your story, all of your personality, all that you are matters to him. He's not wasting any part of your life when it comes to making himself known in you, to you, and also through you. Awesome. So that's what I want us to pull out of John chapter 6 today, that we see this incredible miracle of Jesus and that we are in awe of who he is, but that we are also inviting this to be a reality in our life. And he, taking, he takes our small steps of obedience to put us onto the threshold of miracles. He takes the small things that we bring to him and multiplies them until there's leftovers. And he takes all of those leftovers, everything that he is, he wastes nothing of our story and of our journey. And that's what we want to release to you today as we study and look into John chapter 6. So wherever you are and whenever you're watching this, we love you. We appreciate you. And if you're part of Living Waters, um, we just say thank you for joining with us and walking this journey with us. We want to be connected with you. We want to continue to grow even through this, even through this time that is so difficult. So uh, if you have needs or things that are going on in your life, reach out to us. We would love to connect with you. We would love to pray with you. And uh, we, we want to walk with you through this, through this time. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we give you this time and we thank you for this opportunity to look into your word. Let it refine us. Let it inspire us. Let it transform us to a lifestyle that looks like you, Jesus, and that we would see signs and wonders and miracles breaking out 
in and around our lives in a way that makes you, that you make yourself known through us and through everything that we're doing. We thank you for this day and this opportunity to be here together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, guys. We love you so much. We appreciate you taking the time to watch this today.